Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 18th of February 2021, from the news section, Canotto Pizza, Carthcart Stable brings mouth-watering pizza to Glasgow, by Paul Trainer, Glasgowist. Canotto Pizza has brought Detroit-style slices to Cathcart. Dominic Morton dreamed up the business weeks before the first lockdown hit and has persevered to provide a local collection service that is winning over new customers. I'm a home cook, really. My hobby has taken over my life, he says. After giving up alcohol, he found there was a void in his social life and boredom set in. He started making dishes in the kitchen to pass the time and always seems to circle back to pizza. I had this image in my head of the first time I tried a pizza when I was younger and I couldn't find anywhere in Glasgow that would get me back to that taste so I started making it myself, he says. I bought a pizza oven and built a shed in the back garden to put it in. This is about three or four years ago. I started inviting people around and they thought the pizza was really good. Folk would be phoning and asking to come over. From this modest, improvised pizza hut, Dominic began thinking about whether he could start his own business. I was working in engineering and every day I'd be going to my work thinking about making pizza, he says. At least for a place in Cathcart popped up that used to be a beauty parlour. It was just a shell of a unit, but it was the space I needed. I signed the lease. Then I went home and told my wife, he laughs. I had closed my eyes and jumped in feet first. Thankfully, she was very supportive of me making a change. His wife Jillian is now in front house at Kanoto as the couple take orders by phone Thursday to Saturday. The lease was signed in February 2020 and hospitality closed the next month. They served their first pizza in July last year and have continued from there. The menu includes Detroit pizza and a pizza base that's somewhere between New York and Neapolitan style. Dominic had researched different pizza traditions and was intrigued by the Detroit story. The slices are made in blue steel pans that we imported from the United States. Sicilian immigrants got the original pans from the local car factories in Detroit and that's how it started. I like the look of the pizza with Christmas cheese at the edges and they taste fantastic. We added it to the menu and that's what people keep coming asking in for so we ordered more pans. Current favourite toppings include fennel salami, kalamata olive with bu- buffalo mozzarella, laganga sausage or pepperoni with spicy honey. Dominic and Jillian are at 8 Margarita Buildings, Cathcart, G44, 4EE. Telephone orders are on 07907 
738-607. And that piece was by Paul Trainer. From the Glasgow Times, date Thursday the 18th of February, 2021, from the news section, Fury after Celtic Park alarm set off at 6am, exclusive by Lauren Gilmore, Facebook community reporter. Fury's residents living near Celtic Park have hit out at the Parkhead Club after an evacuation alarm blared in the early hours of the morning. The bleary-eyed locals claim the noise from the alarm system woke them up at 6am on Sunday. They say the noise lasted for up to an hour and was heard by those living in Deniston, Colton, Dalmarnock, Bridgeton and even Cambus Lang in Rutherglen. Glenn Sutherland from Dalmarnock was woken up by the noise which he believed was a safety test. He said, I had no idea what it was at first but we asked around and it's a pretty common occurrence in the area. It's loud enough to wake the dead. I'm sure the whole of Dalmarnock heard it. I'm getting pretty sick of it. Denison resident Pauline Thompson filmed a video of the alarm going off. She said, 6.30am is outrageous. What makes him think they aren't disturbing people? My son works at the tenant's brewery and we were panicking in case it was coming from there. How very dare they? In the video seen by the Glasgow Times, three short blasts can be heard, followed by a voice asking people to evacuate the stadium. Other outraged locals claim that the alarms have been going off for years. Lifelong Dermarnock woman Harriet Poole said, It used to be four in the morning where we are on Arden Lee Street. If you play your music too loud, you have the police at the door, but you can test your alarm during the night and wake up the East End up. And that's okay. It's a joke. It is unclear whether or not the alarm was a test or if it was triggered. However, Scottish Fire and Rescue have confirmed that crews attended the scene on Sunday morning. A spokeswoman said, We were alerted at 6.04am on Sunday, February the 14th, to reports of a fire alarm activation at a football stadium on Kerrydale Street, Glasgow. Operations Control mobilised one appliance to the scene, but it was a false alarm. Local MSP John Mason has urged constituents who have concerns about the noise to get in touch with him. He said, Alarms going off during the night, whether car alarms, house alarms, or from a site like Celtic Park, are incredibly disturbing and annoying. In a situation like this, my normal first step would be to raise the issue with those causing the problem, Celtic in this case. I have always found them open to interacting on issues affecting the local neighbourhood. If any constituent wants to contact me about this, I would ask for a list of the times and dates when the alarms have gone off, and then I would be more than happy to take it up with the club. Carlton Community Councillor Robert Connolly has also reassured constituents he's looking into the issue. He said, You can often see the lights on in the stadium in the evening, including non-match days, although I've never noticed them on very late. It is worrying to hear about alarms going off at antisocial times and I will look into this issue. 
The Glasgow Times approached the club for comment via phone call and email but received no response. And that piece was an exclusive by Lauren Gilmore. From the Glasgow Times, date Thursday the 18th of February 2021, from the news section. Fury at failure to clear busy Glasgow's recycling centre. This piece is an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur, senior reporter. Glasgow City Council has been slammed for its management of an overflowing West End recycling centre. The glass bottle and jar collection point on Clarence Drive has been filled to the brim with empty wine and alcohol containers. Those using the service have now resorted to dumping bags filled with recyclables on the ground. Furious residents have taken on taken to social media to slam the local authority for its failing and blast the hypocrisy of rubbish piles given the council's push to encourage recycling in the city. One wrote, It's a similar situation with all public services. Trains, buses, you pay more and get less every year. While another claimed it was embarrassing and one joked it looked like post-dry January rebound. Another resident said, All we hear about is how important it is to recycle, but why would anyone bother if you turn up to this? If you can't even reach the bin, then why would anyone go all the way down there? No wonder people are shoving everything in their green bins. Councillor Martin Rose insisted the issue was becoming more prevalent in the area. He said, More and more we see situations like this, bins overflowing and streets littered. Despite the best efforts of cleansing staff, there just isn't enough of them to get everything done. He added, Glasgow, local residents and the cleansing staff deserve a better deal. A spokeswoman for Glasgow City Council insisted the issue had since been resolved. She said, In response to a higher than usual demand during the current lockdown restrictions, we are increasing the frequency of recycling sites being checked. It's great that people are taking the time to recycle it, and this site has been cleared today. And that piece was an exclusive by Maxine MacArthur. From the Glasgow Times, date Thursday the 2nd of February 2021, from the news section. Glasgow B&M employee dies from Covid as tributes paid to worker. By Ruth Sutter, multimedia journalist. Tributes have poured in for an Easter House B&M employee after she sadly died from coronavirus. Mandy Davrin passed away unexpectedly after a strong battle with the virus. The one-of-a-kind 43-year-old has left behind one child who is nine years old. Devastated colleagues have described Mandy as the kindness and most caring woman who worked at the Auckland Lee store. One person said, Mandy, you were a diamond. We loved having laughs and banter together. I am going to miss your smiling face every day. Fly high, Mandy. Another added, I never thought in a million years I would be writing this. This morning, 321 Oak and Lee lost one of the best and most kind-hearted person you could ever meet. Mandy Davenham was one in a million and I'm truly blessed to have worked beside you for two and a half years. 
Thank you for all the chats when I felt like giving up. Thank you for sharing toast with me because I hated burning my toast. And thank you for being the kindest, funniest, most loving woman in the world for everyone who crossed your path. My thoughts are with little Mason and your family at this time. You will always be part of the family at Oaken Lee and we will never ever forget you. Sleep tight Mandy, we will meet again someday. B&M have told how the dedicated worker was always smiling and going out of her way to support fellow employees. A spokeswoman said, Mandy was a highly valued and dedicated member of our Ockenley store team, working as an administrative office assistant for just under three years. Mandy was always smiling and would always go out of her way to support her colleagues in any way that she could. She will be sorely missed by her colleagues and friends. Our thoughts are with Mandy's family, friends and colleagues at this difficult time. Since her passing, friends have launched a fundraiser to help Mandy's family through a devastating time. The Just Giving page has surpassed its £2,500 target in just one day. You can donate by going to www.justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Michelle hyphen Johnson hyphen three. And that piece was by Ruth Sutter. From the Glasgow Times, date Thursday the 18th of February 2021, from the news section. Glasgow man battling to get his disabled housebound mother, 84, a Covid jack. Bethel McArdle, health correspondent. A Glasgow man who is still trying to secure a Covid vaccine for his 84-year-old mother says too many housebound patients are falling through the cracks. John Gillespie contacted the National Covid Helpline over a week ago on February the 11th but has had no word about an appointment for his mother, Sarah. Mrs Gillespie from Robleston in Glasgow is disabled due to sciatic nerve damage and chronic inflammation around her spine which means she needs a walking aid indoors. She also suffered brain damage in 2019 as a result of delirium caused by low sodium levels. Mr Gillespie, who is his mother's main care, said a district nurse had arrived unannounced at his mother's house around three weeks ago when she was home alone. He said, Because of my mum's mental health state, she doesn't usually open the door to anyone. It's only me who comes in and out. If it was the vaccination team, they didn't phone in advance or anything, and then they just disappeared. It's not really wise to open the door if you're elderly and you don't know who the person is. If they know that someone has mental health difficulties, they really should pre-warn them of their carer that they're coming. If they just walk away and don't come back, it's not very well thought through. There might be hundreds falling through the cracks like this. Mr Gillespie, 60, contacted the National Covid helpline last Wednesday but the call handler said they had no record of Mrs Gillespie and would have to pass her details to NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde. He said, They said there was nothing they could do and the health board would get back to me in 72 hours at most, but I haven't heard anything. After also contacting his mother's GP surgery in Bishop Briggs, 
He was told that she could be immunised at their final vaccination clinic on Friday, February the 12th, if he was able to bring her into the practice. However, snow and ice on his mother's street made it impossible for him to get his car close enough to her home so that she would be able to walk out to their vehicle. Mr Gillespie added, It's going down to the lower categories now and she's been bypassed, fallen through the net somehow and nobody is taking responsibility. More than 98% of over 80s in the community have been vaccinated but First Minister Lichna Sturgeon said on Tuesday that there are bound to be some hiccups. She said, If you're over 70 or have an extreme clinical vulnerability and haven't yet heard about your vaccine, it may well be that your letter is going astray or that some other administrative problem has occurred. So please get in touch with your GP, call the helpline or, as a last resort, email me. The address is firstminister at gov.scot. That's F-I-R-S-T-M-I-N-I-S-T-R at G-O-V dot S-C-O-T. And that piece was by Helen McArdle. From the Glasgow Times, date Thursday the 18th of February 2021, from the news section. Glasgow thug fractured man's jaw amid claims he hit his sister with a hammer. This piece is an exclusive by Connor Gordon, court reporter. A thug fractured a man's jaw amid claims he hit his sister with a hammer. William Gibson, 60, pounced on Alan Monaghan, 54, at the Blackpool pub in Glasgow's city centre's High Street on August 10th, 2019. Gibson struck Mr Monaghan through, through a set of doors and punched him in the back of the head. He later remarked, I had to get him, he hit my sister with a hammer and got away with it. Gibson pleaded guilty yesterday, Wednesday, at Glasgow Sheriff Court to the assault to Mr Monaghan's severe injury. The court heard Mr Monaghan was in the pub by himself drinking a can of cola before leaving at midnight. Gibson followed him and approached him from behind. Prosecutor John Bedford said, Mr Monaghan felt a strike in the back of his head, fell between two doors and felt a punch. Gibson said, You be expletives, that's for my Lizzie. He was hauled away from the booty Mr Monaghan by a woman before making the hammer comment. Mr Monaghan suffered an acute jaw fracture, multiple nasal bone fractures and two broken teeth. He told police officers that he'd been in a relationship with Gibson's sister, but it ended. Gibson, of the city's Jermison, was later traced and arrested. Sentence was deferred until next month for background reports by Sheriff Paul Crozier, who continued Gibson's bail meantime. And that article was an exclusive by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, date Thursday the 18th of February 2021, from the news section... Plans unveiled to redesign Glasgow streets post-COVID-19 by Catherine Hunter, local democracy reporter. Glasgow's main walkways and high streets could be redesigned post-COVID-19 to encourage physical distancing throughout the city. The City Centre Task Force, which was launched in November last year to tackle the effects of the coronavirus crisis, 
is looking to widen footpaths and pavements so people feel safe. They're also planning a deep clean of the city. Glasgow is one of the worst affected areas in Scotland, with businesses having to adapt constantly to the rules and regulations. An update was brought before the licensing forum this week. Denise Hamilton of Neighbourhoods and Sustainability said, We are in the middle of a pandemic and the city centre of Glasgow will be affected more than most areas. We felt that as we started to see restrictions easing last year, that there were still a number of challenges for the sector and businesses operating in the city centre to recover from the pandemic. In November, we were asked to establish a task force. Many of us will know that even if your business was permitted to open during the summer, we didn't have the footfall in the city centre, which meant businesses didn't reopen even though they could. The task force aims to provide city leadership and support to other businesses throughout the pandemic. It is developing an action plan and a lessons learned assessment to future-proof Glasgow against further pandemic lockdowns and other restrictions which negatively impact the city's economy and the lives of its citizens. Ms Hamilton continued, We have a challenge to get people back into the city centre and feeling safe again. That will be a key part of our recovery. There is no doubt that Covid has had a change or made changes to the way people feel and interact within the city centre. It is our job to look into that. We started the group in November and we are already frustrated. It has been difficult to implement the ideas we had. We have managed to take the red and white barriers away from the city centre so it doesn't look like a racetrack and we're now trying to procure various different measures to widen footpaths and create permanent solutions that will encourage social distancing. How do we plan ahead? How do we plan for Christmas? We are pushing the Scottish Government to listen. The aim is to create a two-way conversation between the businesses sector and the City Council and to address some of the walls that have been built up over the years. We are keen to keep the conversation going. Donald McLeod, garage and cat house owner, added There seems to be a lack of understanding and creation of a roadmap to recovery. It is up to this group to keep pushing and asking these questions. We've got COP26 at the end of the year. Are we just going to open up the week before? I hope not. We need to find out. And that article was by Catherine Hunter. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. Covid Scotland. Sir Billy Connolly receives second vaccine dose by Ruth Souter, multimedia journalist. The Big Yin has received his second dose of the coronavirus vaccination. Sir Billy Connolly joked after his appointment, we jab, nay bother. His wife Pamela Stevenson posted an image on social media of Sir Billy wearing a mask with his sleeve rolled up as he received the vaccine. Alongside the image she wrote, Billy just had his second COVID-19 vaccination. We waited our turn and received him at our local public supermarket. So relieved he has some protection now, he said, we jab, nay bother. He received his first jab on January the 22nd. 
Sir Billy, who lives in the US, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2013 and retired from live performances five years later. He recently told the PA news agency he feels happy in his skin after making the obvious decision to retire following his diagnosis. Other famous faces to have received the vaccine include actress Dame Judi Dench, broadcaster Sir David Attenborough, actor Sir Ian McKellen, Great British Bake Off judge Prue Leith and entertainer Lionel Blair. Hollywood star and former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger also shared a video of him receiving the jab last month. You're listening to the Glasgow Times, as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. Toll Cross Road. Derelict to be transformed for takeaway and new homes. By Catherine Hunter, local democracy reporter. Derelict land in Glasgow's East End could be the new home of six new residential flats and a hot food takeaway store. A planning application for the space at 1042 Tollcross Road has been submitted to the City Council bosses for consideration. If successful, it will include two commercial units as well as the apartments over four storeys, like the buildings already situated along the street. Neil Rothney Architecture will provide parking for the properties to the back of the site, which will be accessed through a pend on the west side. Extra spaces will be included, even though the accommodation has access to public transport. Access to the flats will be separate from the downstairs shops, with dedicated areas for cycle storage and recycling bins. A small terraced area will be provided to the first floor which would provide a level of open area for all residents to use. The aim is to allow clothes to dry as necessary. Juliet balconies will also be developed to the second and third floor flats and will be accessed through the living room. In their planning statement Neil Rothney said, The main issue is whether a development of this scale is acceptable on this site in the context of the existing buildings and townscape. In addition, this site has lain vacant for some considerable time and this should be seen as an opportunity to encourage a well-considered design solution for this site in terms of design and use. You've been listening to Derelict East End Land to be Transformed for Takeaway and New Homes. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. Leverndale Hospital's rehab ward praised for impressive COVID response by Hamish Morrison, trainee reporter. Mental health champions have praised a Crookston hospital for its impressive care for patients during the pandemic. Inspectors from the Wental Welfare Commission for Scotland visited the Leverndale Hospital's rehabilitation ward in December last year. Despite functioning as a COVID-19 red ward in July and August, inspectors found that patient care continued very much as normal, with access to services and psychiatrists continuing. Alison Thompson, the body's executive director for nursing, said, We were impressed with the way in which this service has adapted and it is hoped the positive changes that have benefited some aspects of patient care can be continued and developed in future models of care. Because of the pandemic, there were difficulties in discharging patients and some patients struggled with access to privacy because of the unfavourable layout of the building itself, the report noted. But the ward's programme of activities was held up as a highlight. 
patients had been encouraged to take part in a lockdown wall at the beginning of the pandemic and drew on it things which were meaningful and important to them. Miss Thompson said, The project is viewed with pride by everybody involved and seems to inspire hope. You've been listening to Glasgow Mental Health Ward's impressive COVID performance praised after inspection. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. Iron brew to go green with new plastic saving wrapping by Hamish Morrison, trainee reporter. The firm behind Iron Brew has announced it will move toward carbon making the orange drink more green by the end of the year. AG Bar is switching the shrink wrap with which it packages multi-packs of cans to a 100% recycled model. Cans and bottles of the Girder flavoured juice are already fully recyclable and it's thought the move will save an extra 400 tonnes of plastic, equivalent to the weight of 250 cars. Roger White, AG Bar's chief executive, said, We're always looking for ways to make our products more sustainable and we're delighted to introduce this new 100% recycled film which has half the carbon footprint of its virgin plastic equivalent. This is just one step towards our longer-term carbon-neutral ambition, ensuring we play our part in reducing the effects of climate change on our planet. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. Morrison's Bells Hill, mobile testing unit drafted in at Covid Hit Depot by Ruth Souter, multimedia journalist. A mobile testing unit has been set up outside a Morrison's Depot following a significant coronavirus outbreak. Test and protect teams are also working to identify close contacts of those who have tested positive for the virus at the Bells Hill facility. Although the numbers are not confirmed, the mass testing facility has been established outside the unit by Scottish ambulance teams to prevent any further transmission of the virus. NHS Lanarkshire confirmed a number of workers are currently having to self-isolate at home. Dr Femi O'Sheen, NHS Lanarkshire consultant in public health medicine, said NHS Lanarkshire's test and protect team has carried out contact tracing after individuals at XPO Logistics in Bells Hill tested positive for COVID-19. They are currently self-isolating at home. NHS Lanarkshire is working closely with North Lanarkshire Council and the company with regards to the cases and has now contacted all appropriate close contacts. These individuals are being told to self-isolate. A mobile testing unit has been brought in to support other additional measures put in place to help reduce the spread and transmission of COVID-19. To respect and maintain confidentiality, it is not possible to release any further information at this time. A spokesperson for XPO Logistics, who run the Morrison's Depot, added, Protecting our employees is our number one priority. We're working closely with the local authorities, including NHS Lanarkshire for the track and trace, while adhering to all local and public health Scotland guidance to ensure the appropriate health and safety measures are in place. You've been listening to Mobile Testing Unit drafted in at Covid Hit Morrison's after multiple confirmed cases. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. Covid Glasgow, 
two asymptomatic testing sites to open in City Mosque and Govan Hill. Two new coronavirus testing sites for people with no COVID symptoms are to be opened in Glasgow. A site will open on March the 1st at the Central Mosque in Gorbals and another in Govan Hill. It's part of a phased rollout where other sites will open in the city to identify people with COVID but who have no symptoms so they can self-isolate and help break the chain of infection. The sites will be staffed by the army and also with volunteers at the mosque. People living in surrounding communities who do not have COVID-19 symptoms are being asked to come forward for tests from March the 1st. Appointments are not needed, people can just turn up and get tested. The centres will be located at the Central Mosque, 1 Mosque Avenue, Glasgow, and at Govanhill Neighbourhood Centre, 6 Daisy Street, Glasgow. They will each be in place for several weeks. It follows a pilot programme where asymptomatic testing sites were set up in December in Dalmarnock and Pollock Shields. The new community testing programme is part of ongoing, wider, asymptomatic national testing, which includes health and social care workers and students. Similar test facilities will be set up in other Glasgow neighbourhoods in coming weeks. Dr Linda de Casticker, Public Health Director for NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde, said, We know that COVID-19 is often spread by people who don't have symptoms or they are so mild they do not recognise they have the infection. Asymptomatic testing enables identification of infection so that people are not spreading the infection to their families, work colleagues or the wider community as they go shopping or exercising. This has the potential to reduce spread overall. That means we will be more likely to be able to reduce restrictions more quickly. Councillor Susan Aitken, leader of Glasgow City Council, said, I would encourage people not displaying COVID-19 symptoms to volunteer for a test where asymptomatic testing centres have been set up in our local area. The test results will help to detect the virus and limit its spread in our communities. Free testing continues to be available to anyone with COVID symptoms. Anyone with a fever, new continuous cough or loss of or change in taste or smell should isolate straight away and book a test at nhsinform.scot forward slash test hyphen and hyphen protect or by calling 0800 028 2816. People who test positive will have to self-isolate for 10 days or longer if fever persists. Anyone asked to self-isolate who needs support can phone the National Assistance Helpline 0800 111 4000 or text phone 0800 111 4114 from 9am to 5pm Monday to Friday. The helpline can also advise people about eligibility for the self-isolation support grant. You've been listening to two new asymptomatic testing sites to open in City Mosque and Govan Hill. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. Avanti West Coast to donate £93,000 worth of food to homeless. By Ruth Souter, multimedia journalist. A local train provider has vowed to deliver nearly £93,000 worth of surplus food to people in need. Over the last year, Avanti West Coast has donated nearly 40 tonnes of food from onboard its trains and first-class lounges that would have otherwise gone to waste. The rail company will join up with local charities, food banks and other organisations in Glasgow 
to distribute items of food, including eggs, olives, crisps, fruit, sandwiches, soft drinks and porridge. The Marie Trust, who have received packages from the operator, said donations allowed the charity to provide a variety of meals to the vulnerable. Francis McKinley, Chief Officer of the Marie Trust, said, The donations we received from Avanti West Coast was incredible. It enabled us to provide a variety of meals to homeless and vulnerable house individuals during the pandemic who otherwise would have really struggled to have any consistency in their diet. The food we received went out the same day we received it as we had over 90 plus people experiencing food poverty and insecurity presenting to the Marie Trust for assistance daily. Without this invaluable support, we would have struggled to provide a balanced diet and meet the demand placed upon us to provide food provisions to homeless people and people in vulnerable houses who were shielding. You've been listening to Train Provider Pledges to Donate £93,000 Worth of Food to Homeless. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 19th of February 2021. News. M8 Crash. Two in hospital after crash involving lorry and van by Ruth Souter, multimedia journalist. Two people were taken to hospital after a crash along the M8 involving a lorry and a van. A 999 response attended the scene at Junction 17 on St George's Cross on Wednesday afternoon. Two women, aged 22 and 26, were taken to the Glasgow Royal Infirmary for treatment. Inquiries into the incident remain ongoing. A Police Scotland spokesman said, Officers were called at 5.15pm to a report of a crash involving a car and a lorry on the M8 at Junction 17, Glasgow. Two women, aged 22 and 26, were taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary for treatment for apparent minor injuries. One vehicle was recovered and inquiries are ongoing. From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 22nd of February 2021, from the news section, Carol Forrest, Senior Glasgow City Council boss, takes voluntary redundancy, by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. The solicitor to Glasgow City Council is taking voluntary redundancy, prompting a restructure in the Chief Executive's department. Carol Forrest, 52, who is also Director of Governance and is effectively Deputy to Chief Executive Anne-Marie O'Donnell, leaves the Council in April. Ms Forrest helped guide the Council through the long-running Equal Pay episode with a series of court cases and then a final settlement reached with unions and claimants' lawyers. Glasgow City Council leader Susan Aitken said, Carol is not someone who seeks the limelight, but her contribution to the city over nearly three decades has been formidable, and never more so than in overseeing the settlement of Glasgow's responsibilities on equal pay. That was one of the most complex and challenging things I could have asked, of officers and camera was absolutely instrumental in making it happen. The actual post will not be filmed, but a restructuring will take place to manage the vacancy. Anne-Marie O'Donnell, Chief Executive, has informed staff of Ms Forrest's decision to leave after almost 30 years with the Council in the legal department. And that piece was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 22nd of February 2021, from the news section, 
Coronavirus Scotland, vaccination linked to substantial reduction in hospital admissions, by Helen McCardo, health correspondent. Vaccination has been linked to a substantial reduction in the risk of COVID-19 admissions to Scotland's hospitals, landmark research suggests. The study is the first to describe across an entire country the effect of the Pfizer and Oxford AstraZeneca jabs in the community on preventing severe illness resulting in hospitalisation. Previous results about vaccine efficacy have come from clinical trials. By the fourth week after receiving the initial dose, the Pfizer and Oxford AstraZeneca vaccines were shown to reduce the risk of hospitalisation from COVID-19 by up to 85% and 94% respectively. Among those aged 80 years and over, one of the highest risk groups, vaccination was associated with an 81% reduction in hospitalisation risk in the fourth week when the results for both vaccines were combined. As part of the EAVA2 project, which uses patients' data to track the pandemic and the vaccine rollout in real time, researchers from the universities of Edinburgh, Strathclyde, Aberdeen, Glasgow and St Andrews and Public Health Scotland, PHS, analysed a dataset covering the entire Scottish population of 5.4 million. Data on vaccine effects was gathered between 8th of December and 15th of February. During this period, 1.14 million vaccines were administered and 21% of the Scottish population had received a first dose based on Scottish Government prioritisation. The Pfizer vaccine has been received by some 650,000 people and 490,000 have been had the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. Researchers analysed data for each week during this period, including GP records on vaccination, hospital admissions, death registrations and laboratory test results, and compared the outcomes of those who had received their first jab with those who had not. The preliminary results have been posted on the SSRN preprint server and submitted to a journal to undergo peer review. The study team says findings are applicable to other countries that are using the Pfizer and AstraZeneca vaccines. They caution that the data is not allowed for comparisons between the two. Lead researcher Professor Aziz Sheikh director of the University of Edinburgh's Usher Institute, said These results are very encouraging and have given us great reasons to be optimistic for the future. We now have national evidence across an entire country that vaccination provides protection against COVID-19 hospitalisations. Rollout of the first vaccine dose now needs to be accelerated globally to help overcome this terrible disease. The study was led from the University of Edinburgh's Usher Institute, which is one of five data-driven innovation hubs, as part of the Edinburgh and South East Scotland City-Region deal. The Institute is a sector leader in applying data science to develop innovative and financially sustainable models of health and social care that improve lives. Dr Jim McMenamin, National COVID-19 Incident Director at PHS, said... These results are important as we move from expectation to firm evidence of benefits from vaccines. 
Across the Scottish population, the results shown in a substantial effect on reducing the risk of admission to a hospital from a single dose of the vaccine. For anyone offered the vaccine, I encourage them to get vaccinated. Continue the evaluation and look forward to describing the benefits that we hope will follow the second doses of these vaccines. Dr Josie Murray, PHS Public Health Consultant Lead for EVE2 said, These data show real promise that the vaccine must have gone out given out can protect us from the severe effects of COVID-19. We must not be complacent though. We all still need to ensure we stop transmission of the virus and the best way we can do this is to follow public health guidance. Wash your hands often, keep two metres apart from others and if you develop symptoms, isolate and take a rest. We also all need to protect ourselves, our families and friends by taking the second dose of vaccine when it is offered. Professor Chris Robertson, Professor of Public Health Epidemiology at the University of Strathclyde said, These early national results give reason to be more optimistic about the control of the epidemic. They also showed the value of linked national data sets with academic research groups working closely with public health institutes. The work was funded by the Medical Research Council, National Institute for Health Research and Health Data Research UK, and supported by the Scottish Government. Additional support has been provided through Public Health Scotland and Scottish Government Director Health, Director General Health and Social Care and the UKRI COVID-19 National Course Data and Connectivity Programme led by HDR UK. And that piece was by Helen McArdle. From the Glasgow Times, it's Monday the 22nd of February 2021 from the news section David Sridhar There will be Covid outbreaks in Scotland's schools but they must be kept in perspective by Jack Haw, multimedia reporter One of Scotland's chief scientific experts says it is safe for children to begin returning to schools but there might there will likely be Covid outbreaks in the coming weeks Professor David Sridhar, Chair of the Global Public Health at the University of Edinburgh, believes cases and pupils must be kept in perspective as youngsters in some age groups are allowed back into the classroom from today. Children in early years education, the first three primaries and a limited number of senior kids are due to return to schools in Glasgow and across Scotland. Some pupils, including those key workers, have remained in the classroom during lockdowns Professor Sridhar said, It's never completely safe for children to go into a school for any health issue or injury they may encounter. We have to make it safe enough so we can add, we can and balance the risk of benefits. The harms are now well recognised for children being out of school. There is a chance now, and it's a huge thank you to all those complying with restrictions that we can get the case numbers low enough to even consider opening for the youngest years and the limited number of senior pupils. We should keep perspective. There will likely be cases emerging in schools over the next few weeks, but the vast majority should be fine. We consider in our scientific advice all different options, and clearly there's an age variant. You can see this very clearly with outbreaks that occur. 
very few in nurseries, slightly more in primaries, then you get into secondaries with teenagers who are biologically very similar to adults, and in universities at the start of the year we had quite a few cases. We have to work back up through that gradient. We are doing this by starting with primaries in early years. It's a start Denmark has also taken. We are trying to bring regular testing into schools to reassure teachers. We will wait a few weeks to reassess things and then look to get a, the next group of pupils in. Professor Streeter's comments come after Education Secretary John Swinney assured teachers he had been given evidence to say schools were safe. Mr Swinney, however, warned parents to avoid mingling while dropping off pupils and Professor Schreiner mirrored his concerns. Nothing else is really changing in the system unless it's the behaviour of adults because they're mixing more, she told Good Morning Scotland. That's a worry. If parents are less burdened by their kids, will they start to socialise more? Go to workplaces? Meet at school gates? We have to get through this period with calm heads and we need perspective when people see headlines and outbreaks. And that article was by Jack Hall. From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 22nd of February 2021, from the news section, Glasgow Barnes, Community Orchestra Pick Up Prize at National Ceremony, by Heather Carrick, Facebook Community Reporter, a government-based orchestra group has been awarded a prestigious community award in a national ceremony. The Glasgow Barons picked up a prize for creative regeneration at the 2020 Surf Awards. The group, who are currently run by musician Paul McAllen and service governs artists in residence, has been established in the area for the past five years. They thank partners including Govan High School Music Department and Govan Thriving Place. The Glasgow Barons won alongside groups across the country, such as the Tanner Hill Centre in Paisley and Street League Head Body Future, which operates nationally. Kate Wimpress, Chair of Surf, said, 2020 challenges all in ways largely unimaginable at the start of the year, with the global pandemic hitting those least resourced hardest. Surf's key objective is to improve the lives and opportunities of residents in Scotland's disadvantaged communities with their annual awards recognising and rewarding best practice and innovation. In the strangest of years, it is fitting the awards highlight re- responses to COVID-19 alongside ongoing regeneration efforts. Since commendations to this year's nominees and winners facing unprecedented times head-on and to the judges for bringing their enthusiasm and expertise to the table, virtual it has, has to be. The Surf Awards, which should normally be presented to winners at Glasgow's Grand Central Hotel, handed out the awards digitally at a special online event. Winners were personally congratulated by Scottish Government's Cabinet Secretary for Local Government and Communities, Eileen Campbell MSP, at the special event, which also features an after-dinner speech from award-winning author Kirsten Innes. Justice Minister Humza Yousaf also congratulated the group on their achievement, saying, Well deserved recognition from the incredible work Paul and the team at Glasgow Barnes have done over the years. And that piece is by Heather Carrick. 
From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 22nd of February 2021, from the news section, Great Western Road, death warning due to speeding in Glasgow. This piece is an exclusive by Ruth Souter, multimedia journalist. Another death will happen on one of Glasgow's busiest roads if police measures are not stepped up to control speeders, a local community group has learned. Members of Knightswood Community Council claim it is only a matter of time before another fatality takes place in Great Western Road due to erratic drivers. Residents have said the dual carriageway, which connects the west of Glasgow to the city centre, is being used as a racetrack. Vice Chair of Knightswood Community Council, Alan Morrison, said The speed that some people go down that road is incredible. The enforcement from police to crack down on the speeding has been sporadic at best. In the evenings, the road is treated like a racetrack. We'll hear them before we even see them. As a resident, it's not only concerning, it is frightful. Mr Morrison added, There will be another death if something isn't done soon. It is only a matter of time, given the speed that cars go down that road. Their warning comes after two pedestrians lost their lives along the road last year, including the tragic death of a 16-year-old girl. And only last weekend, we told how three motorists were reported for dangerous driving on Great Western Road after a police speed check. One culprit was caught driving at 73 miles an hour in a 30mph zone. Mr Morrison said, These people were caught driving at more than twice the limit in the snow. I'm concerned for pedestrians right now. We have had two fatalities on the road and I don't want to see any more. People will keep taking chances until someone is dead. The Glasgow Times understands that there are currently a number of spot check cameras installed along the A82 route. Knightswood Community Council are, however, calling for these devices to be replaced by average speed cameras. Mr Morrison added, Average speed cameras will look at the speed in a longer stretch of the road, as opposed to just a regular spot camera, which just accesses one fixed point on a road. The only measure the speed of one point, so really, they're only good for places such as schools. The long distance cameras have worked out elsewhere, and I'm sure they would solve the ongoing issue here. The police are limited in what they can and cannot do. They're only effective if they catch the people in the act. He added, As well as a lot of youth, there's quite a lot of elderly people in Nightswood who often take a while to cross the roads. And with that, there's a fair amount of road to cross over in the area just to get from A to B. I just don't want to see any more people dead. The Glasgow Times has approached Safety Camera Scotland for comment. And that piece was an exclusive by Ruth Sutter. From the Glasgow Times, it's Monday the 22nd of February 2021. From the news section, Holyrood election could trigger supermarket-style queues by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Queues outside polling stations like outside supermarkets could be necessary in the Holyrood election in May unless there is a big increase in postal voting. In Glasgow, it is estimated that postal votes will need to take treble to avoid the need for queues forming outside stations.
The election in May is planned to go ahead, but there will be hygiene measures and physical distancing is likely to be in place. Glasgow's returning officer, Anne-Marie O'Donnell, said that it would be similar to going to the supermarket. To reduce the prospect of queues, which might put some people off voting, people have been asked to consider a postal vote and to apply for one now. The need for distancing means that there will likely be fewer staff in polling stations, which could mean the voting process is slower. Ms O'Donnell has said election staff would, be, would ensure it is safe to vote and that could mean queues. She said, We will make sure it is safe to vote in person. There will be hygiene and social distancing measures in place that mean it would be no different to going to the supermarket. However, the process might be a little different and take a little longer. It's possible you might have to wait or even queue outside at busy times. That's normal in some countries, but we don't have a culture of waiting in line to vote. Higher rates of postal voting would go a long way to offsetting the impact of social distancing measures and any hesitancy among voters. In Glasgow, there are currently 64,000 of Glasgow's 475,000 electors who are registered to vote by post. It is estimated that around 40% across Scotland could be motivated to vote by post, which would help remove the chance of queuing up. To get to 40% in Glasgow, there would need to be another 124,000 added to the postal vote. It is possible to register the vote in person up till the Monday, April the 19th. Applications for absent votes must be received by 5pm on Tuesday, April the 6th. Ms O'Donnell said that would be a huge undertaking at any time and asked people to apply now. She said, The worst case scenario is that people leave it late and we just don't have the time to iron out any mistakes in applications. My advice to anyone who thinks they might be able to might want to vote by post in May is to apply now. For more information, visit www.glasgow.gov.uk forward slash register to vote. And that piece is by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, date Monday the 22nd of February 2021, from the news section... Ibrox land to be transformed for new water main system for Glasgow by Catherine Hunter, local democracy reporter. Derelict land near Ibrox is to be sold by Glasgow City Council to Scottish Water for £115,500 who plan to install a new water main system. The overgrown land at Broomwell Road, which previously homed the high-rise buildings before being demolished in 2010, We'll see a new pumping system that connects with the system already in place throughout Greater Glasgow. When complete, the network will be enable water to transfer from Glasgow to Ayrshire and vice versa. The site is fully valued at £441,000, but the council share is worth just £115,000. The site, which is co-owned by Glasgow Housing Association and is in the shape of a triangle, faces onto Broomlone Road, is next to an ASO filling station and is in close proximity to the junction with Paisley Road West. At its meeting on September 17th, the Contractors and Property Committee agreed to negotiate the land as an off-market disposal to Scottish Water.
company is currently working in the Ayrshire Strategic Resilience Scheme to install new water mains to connect the system in Ayrshire with Greater Glasgow's area network. A pumping station is required on the route and the subject land had been identified as a suitable and preferred location for the construction and operation of the water pumping station. Rangers Football Club will continue to have the right of access on the land. At the moment, it does not currently exercise this right. If approved, work is expected to begin on the site on March the 31st, and the report will be brought before committee this Thursday. And that article was by Catherine Hunter. From the Glasgow Times, did Monday the 22nd of February 2021, from the news section, Shock as Glasgow GP surgery ordered not to use hundreds of COVID vaccines by Jack Hall, multimedia reporter. A Glasgow MSP has told of her shock after a GP surgery in the north of the city was ordered not to administer COVID vaccinations at short notice. Annie Wales claims more than 200 second doses in the practice were reassigned on Thursday, forcing a number of appointments to be cancelled. She said this left patients confused and upset, including her own mum, Maria, whose March the 12th date has now been pushed back as a result of the late change last week. The 76-year-old received her first jag on January 26th. The Scottish Government insists its vaccination programme is working and health boards are entitled to remain flexible to deal with the changing circumstances. Mr. Wells said, For any GP surgery to be banned from using hundreds of vaccines is concerning and bewildering. My mum was due to get her second dose next month, but was told the appointment was cancelled. We are both confused and upset. I have spoken to her GP who feels the same way. They explained to me that they had been due to administer 220 second doses to the least aged over 80 on Thursday but were suddenly ordered not to. This has caused huge upheaval for the surgery and confusion and inconvenience for the patients. A second dose of the COVID jag, like many vaccines, must be administered to ensure immunity against the the bug reaches the highest level. However, Ms Wells says she sees no reason why the jabs already at the surgery couldn't be used to immunise others with a first dose. It makes no sense, she said. They've been given no sensible explanation other than the fact that the second dose must be issued 12 weeks after the first. The surgery thought they could perhaps use these hundreds of doses for others, such as those with underlying conditions, but I've been told they can't do that either. A Scottish Government spokesman said, Scotland's COVID-19 vaccination programme is now delivering ahead of our expectations maximising protection levels thanks to the enormous effort of vaccination teams across the country. As the biggest and most complex population-based immunisation programme ever delivered, it is essential we remain flexible and NHS boards will use the delivery model most suitable for their local circumstances. Prioritisation decisions are not straightforward and must continue to be guided by the independent expert advice from the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation GCVI. 
everyone will still receive their second dose and this will be within 12 weeks of their first. The latest evidence suggests the first dose of the vaccine provides protection for most people for up to 12 weeks. And that article is by Jack Hall. Article from the Glasgow Times, Tuesday 23rd of February 2021. News. Coronavirus. Nicola Sturgeon announces a phased reopening from April by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has revealed Scotland's plan for exiting lockdown. It sees a phased reopening of businesses from April onwards. The First Minister said that the updated strategic framework would be updated again in mid-March on reopening the economy from mid-April onwards. She listed the priorities and indicative time frame for lifting restrictions and reopening the economy. There will be a move fully back to the level system from the last week in April. All parts of the country in level 4 will move back to level 3. Sturgeon said there will be a phased but significant reopening in the last week in April. It would see non-essential retail, hospitality, gyms and hairdressers allowed to reopen. The first change is expected from March the 15th, with the next phase of schools returning with P4-7 pupils and more senior pupils going back to school. Non-contact group sports for 12-17 to year olds can return also. From the 5th of April, it is hoped the stay-at-home restrictions will be lifted and communal worship can return. An easing of the restrictions to allow six people from two households to meet outdoors is also planned. She said the plan in lifting restrictions was to be cautious, careful and patient. She said the current position is positive and promising, but still quite precarious. Acting too quickly, she said, will allow the virus to get ahead of us again and put lockdown back into reverse. In time, she said, vaccination would be the main tool for suppressing the virus. Travel restrictions will be in place for some time yet to guard against importation of new variants. The latest daily statistics showed there were 655 new cases recorded. There were 1,076 in hospital and 93 in intensive care. Another 56 deaths were registered of a person who tested positive. The total deaths now stands at 7,006. So far, so far, 1,465,241 people have received a first dose of the vaccine. Another 19,753 first doses were carried out yesterday. The First Minister said the dip in the daily JAGS total was down to a temporary and expected reduction in supplies. It is now expected that all over 50s and those in the clinically vulnerable category will be vaccinated by mid-April and then the aim is to have all adults vaccinated with a first dose by the end of July. Mike Daly. How apps have affected workers' rights in the UK. An article published in the Glasgow Times of the 22nd of February 2021. Smartphone technology has provided consumers with greater choice, convenience and value for money. The ability to shop from an app on your phone and arrange for groceries and takeaways to be delivered within minutes or to book a taxi has never been easier. 
While new tech empowers all of us as consumers, it comes at a cost. Not a cost to big business, but to the human beings who perform the actual work. The person who performs the job for you will often have no employment rights. Generally, they won't be an employee under a contract of employment or meet the minimum requirements for worker status. The person who performs the job for you will often have no employment rights. Generally, they won't be an employee under a contract of employment or meet the minimum requirements for worker status. Multinationals have used their economic power to engineer a situation where workers are regarded as self-employed contractors. This minimises responsibility to workers and allows profits to be maximised. The immorality and inequity of this power imbalance is, of course, why employment rights were introduced in the first place. Without such rights, the health, safety and well-being of workers can be placed in peril. The food delivery business, Deliveroo, has previously been successful in persuading a tribunal and court that its riders were self-employed. The case turned on the fact Deliveroo allowed riders to substitute other riders to take their place on jobs. Being treated as self-employed means no entitlement to the national minimum wage or paid holidays. This decision has been appealed by the Independent Workers Union of Great Britain, IWGB, to the English Court of Appeal. The IWGB wants to provide collective bargaining for its members but can't because they're not regarded as workers in law. The trade union is concerned about precarious working conditions and sub-minimum wage pay, as well as COVID-19 health and safety. It also claims there are problems with the unfair termination of riders' contracts without due process or the provision of evidence of alleged wrongdoing. There was good news last week when the UK Supreme Court, UKSC, dismissed an appeal by Uber, which claimed its taxi drivers were self-employed independent contractors. The court upheld earlier decisions that ruled Uber drivers were workers in terms of the 1996 Employment Rights Act, with a right to paid holidays, the national minimum wage and other protections. Uber's argument, in a nutshell, was it was only a booking agent for drivers via the Uber app. It claimed that when a ride was booked through the Uber app, a contract was made between the driver and passenger. The fare was calculated by the Uber app and paid by the passenger to Uber. Uber deducts 20% from a taxi fare and pays the balance to the driver. It emphasised drivers were free to work when they wanted and work as much or as little as they decided. In essence, it was an agent for drivers. The UKSC disagreed. The UKSC found that the nature of the legal relationship had to be inferred from the party's conduct. The correct approach was to consider the purpose of the relevant employment legislation. 
That purpose was to give protection to vulnerable individuals who have little or no say over their pay and working conditions. Workers are usually in a subordinate and dependent position in relation to a person or business which has control over their work. The law precluded employers in a stronger bargaining position from contracting out of worker protections. The court's decision will benefit some 40,000 Uber drivers across the UK. Sadly, there are so many loopholes in UK employment law that businesses can use their economic power to evade responsibilities towards their workers. The European Union, EU, Trade and Cooperation Agreement provides that the UK courts must not weaken or reduce the level of employment rights in place as at December the 31st, 2020, in a manner affecting trade or investment. End of quotation. Worryingly, this clause provides considerable wriggle room for the UK government to dilute existing employee and workers' rights. Certainly at a time when around 5 million UK workers need more rights, there is little likelihood this will happen. And as the EU continues to advance workers' rights, the UK is destined to fall behind over some. While our national minimum wage compares favourably to some EU states, that's of zero comfort if you don't have worker status and are treated as self-employed. If you're regarded as contractor, you will also miss out on pension, auto-enrolment and employer contributions. Having to rely solely on the state pension in later years can be a grim prospect as the UK state pension compares poorly to many countries such as the Netherlands, Australia, New Zealand, Denmark or Ireland. With the prospect of the Tories being in power at Westminster until at least 2024, the future for workers' rights looks increasingly bleak. Scottish football's child sex abuse victims deserve far more than tribalism and triumphalism. An article by Matthew Lindsay, chief football writer, published in the Glasgow Times of the 22nd of February 2021. A number of years ago, I was covering an old firm game at Parkhead when I spotted Alan Brazil, the former Ipswich Town, Spurs, Manchester United and Scotland striker, turned popular talk sport presenter in one of the hospitality seats adjacent to the press box at half-time. He was looking across to the section of the stadium which housed the Rangers' support with something of a bemused look on his face of chance of whose dot 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 all the boys received a repeated airing. Brazil had been one of the men who had given evidence in the trial of Jim Torbett in 1998 and helped to convict the Celtic Boys Club founder for shameless and indecent conduct with juveniles between 1967 and 1974. Unlike so many of those poor souls who Torbett had preyed on, he had gone on to enjoy a long and successful career at a high level in the professional game. He was then accustomed to the poison that can emanate from the stands during matches. 
he seemed quite unperturbed. He would, though, have been entitled to despair at being exposed to such bile. Was that his reward for bravely going public on the sickening abuse he had suffered? The 33 people who recounted the ordeals they experienced as kids to those who compiled the Independent Review of Sexual Abuse in Scottish Football, commissioned by the SFA, must have had cause to question why they bothered at times during the past fortnight. The reaction to the long-awaited publication of the review this month from many members of the public has been as depressing as it has been predictable. Who said sorry? That club is mentioned the most. Who hasn't responded? This club is involved too. Who's shown genuine remorse? Who hasn't been contrite enough? They were far worse than us. Receiving a public apology from the current custodians of a club where abuse took place is certainly of enormous importance to a victim and is one of 97 recommendations put forward. It is an acknowledgement that what happened was heinous and an acceptance that more could and should have been done to prevent it at the time. It is a vital part of the healing process. It is undeniable the response of many, both those who have issued statements and those who to date have not, has disappointed large numbers of their fans. Paying out financial compensation would be a significant gesture too. Manchester City, who set up a redress scheme two years ago, which has seen survivors of serious crimes receive six-figure sums, have very much led the way on that front. Do Celtic, whose repeated insistence that Celtic Boys Club was, quotes, separate entity, has been dismissed by the report and other cl Scottish clubs not have a moral obligation to do exactly the same? Yet it is highly regrettable the testimonies contained within the 191-page SFA review, which are detailed, harrowing and highly disturbing, have almost been overlooked amid the frenzy of finger-pointing. Far more time and energy should have been spent reflecting on the distressing accounts, examining how the perpetrators of the evil acts were allowed to get away with them for so long, considering if the safeguards which are now in place are sufficient, and debating what more, if anything, can be done in future. It was certainly encouraging to hear Ian Maxwell, the SFA Chief Executive, confirm that 80% of the suggestions contained in the review have either been put in place or in the process of being implemented. This protracted and painful exercise has been worthwhile. The sport is a far safer place for our children today than it was in years gone by and will hopefully continue to be so. That is what those who agreed to speak had hoped to achieve. However, for so many to use the findings as nothing more than a stick to beat clubs with is shameful. This issue deserves to be treated with delicacy and compassion, not utilised for one-upmanship and point-scoring. The unbridled glee that has greeted some of the passages has been nothing short of pathetic. Football culture is, of course, unpleasant.
Sorry individuals have long poured over the incidences of domestic violence in Glasgow following derby matches. If they are higher after Celtic has lost, it is in the warped minds of certain Rangers fans proof Celtic fans has come. If they are higher after Rangers have lost, it is in the skewed worlds occupied by some Celtic fans evidence Rangers fans are low life. Tribalism and triumphalism have also been prevalent for some time when it comes to the discussion of historical child sex abuse in Scotland. Weaponising this serious subject is a sad indictment of the lives of those responsible. Is it really too much to ask that petty football rivalries are put to one side and the plights of those who suffered? whose lives have been ruined in many instances, are treated with the reverence they deserve. Article from the Glasgow Times, Tuesday 23rd of February 2021, News. Victory for Rutherglen OAP after two-year power bill row. Exclusive by Lauren Gilmore, Facebook community reporter. A pensioner's two-year battle with a power company over a broken radiator timer has come to an end, after the Glasgow Times stepped in to help. Margaret McGlitchie, 87, has been facing monthly bills of up to £160 since April 2019, after relatives realised the timing clock on her electric storage heaters was slow. Storage heaters are supposed to come on at off-peak times, storing heat and then releasing it throughout the day, which is intended to save on costs. The family claim that the opposite has been happening for the last two years, and the radiators have remained on when heating costs more, resulting in huge bills. Dealing with the situation on her behalf, Mrs McCletch's niece Gillian Sterling said it had been a nightmare. She said, The time clock is running slow. When the heating was supposed to be on, it was off because of this. Last week, when we had the snow, the temperature at her house was 12 degrees. She was freezing. It just seems they have been using COVID as an excuse. This just seems like their get-out. They're not coming to people's houses. COVID is getting the blame for everything. We've looked at changing suppliers, but we wanted Scottish Power to fix the issue first. If we changed supplier, Margaret would still have the same issues. It just seems bizarre that she is paying this much. The issue has been ongoing for almost two years. The Glasgow Times has been shown records of correspondence with Scottish Power that Mrs McCletchie and Miss Stirling have kept since then, suggesting that the issue has not been resolved satisfactorily. Miss Stirling claims that Mrs McCletchie has had multiple visits from engineers who did not fix the issue. As well as that, Miss Stirling has submitted multiple complaints via email that she claims not to have been dealt with. Upon hearing Mrs McCletchie's complaint, the Glasgow Times contacted Scottish Power about the case. The company sent an engineer out the next day who replaced the faulty timer, and the energy giant has pledged to keep in touch with Mrs McCletchie to check on the equipment. The family are now demanding answers as to why the issue wasn't dealt with for nearly two years. A Scottish Power spokeswoman said, we're very sorry for the issues Mrs McCletchie experienced and for the time it took to get these issues resolved. We have reached out to Mrs McCletchie and her family to apologise to them and have replaced the faulty time clock. 
We will continue to work with Mrs McClatchy and her family over the coming weeks to ensure the new time clock is working as required and to monitor her energy use and will refund any overpayments she may have made as a result of the faulty time clock. From the Glasgow Times, date Wednesday the 24th of February 2021, from the news section, exclusive, fire rips through Nitzhill home as family forced to evacuate, by Heather Carrick, Facebook community reporter. A mum has said she is thanking God her children are safe after a terrifying house fire ripped through her home. Kerry-Ann Leonard said it was a miracle the family escaped when she and her two young sons, Ezekiel, seven, and Amy, six, fled a dangerous house fire that ravaged the property. She had been standing in her kitchen when she started to smell burning. Kerry-Ann said, My sons were bickering and fighting with each other, so I told my eldest to go upstairs and do his homework. I was standing in the kitchen, then I started smelling this burning smoke smell. I called my son downstairs to ask if he was burning, burning paper or something upstairs. He said no, and after that I smelled it coming from the bathroom. Kerry Ann, who had only moved into the new, pro- new build property in Drumbeg Drive in Nitz Hill two years ago, then found the fire in her bathroom storage cupboard and rushed to help put it out. The 39-year-old said, I got a cup of water and when I got back, I realised that that would do nothing for how big the fire was. Loads of black smoke was already starting to go into the entire house. At that point, I realised that we all just had to get out to make sure everyone was safe because it was happening so quickly. Scottish Rescue and Fire Service attended the fire at Drumbeck Drive at 8.53pm with three fire engines attending the scene. A Scottish Fire and Rescue spokesperson said, We were alerted at 8.53pm on Thursday, February 18th to reports of a dwelling fire at Drumbeck Drive, Glasgow. Operations Control mobilised three appliances to the scene. Firefighters extinguished the fire and left ensuring the area was made safe. There were no reported casualties. The cause of the fire has yet to be confirmed. Kerry Ann said, I am thanking God that we are all safe. It was terrifying and it all happened so quickly. It really felt like it went from zero to a hundred in no time and I just had to get out with the kids. All the material things that were left in the house don't matter now. It's just a miracle that we got out. The family have since been allowed back into the property, but it has been severely damaged by the fire, with rooms including the kitchen and bathroom completely destroyed. Kerry Ann, Ezekiel and Amen have moved into her brother's home until another permanent residence is found. Kerry Ann has also thanked the local community for their support in the aftermath of the fire. She said, The community and neighbours have all been amazing. When we first made it out of the house, a woman passing by helped out with the kids. She put them in her car and gave them blankets to keep them warm. 
Locals have even set up a GoFundMe page to help support Kerry Ann and the family get back on their feet in the aftermath of the fire. The page has so far raised £820 for the family. She said, I didn't even know that somebody had set up the page until I was told by a friend. People have been so kind in offering clothes and foods too. Even the local shop has offered us food. The community couldn't have supported us more. Even during the coronavirus and when people might not have as much as normal, they are still helping us out. There are so many good people in the world. I want to thank everyone who has helped us. And that was an exclusive by Heather Carrick. From the Glasgow Times, date Wednesday the 24th of February 2021, from the news section. Exclusive. Glasgow Barber flouts restrictions by visiting homes to cut hair. By Lauren Gilmore, Facebook community reporter. A brazen barber has been flouting lockdown rules by operating a mobile service during the current lockdown, the Glasgow Times can reveal. Operating from a Facebook page called Glasgow Barbers, the hairstylist has been openly advertising his mobile cutting and styling services since February the 9th. In one post, the barber, who would not reveal his name, said, Hello everyone and welcome to our page and welcome new customers. We are working mobile, we travel to you. We are open from 9am to 10pm. We travel local areas only. If you need any more info, please don't hesitate to message us for a quote. If you need a lockdown haircut and need to book an appointment, then message us directly. The Glasgow Times approached the barber to ask if he used PPE and required clients to do the same. He confirmed he wore a mask, but there was no requirement for clients to do so, adding that it was their choice. Upon revealing we were from the Glasgow Times, the barber did not respond to any other requests for comment and we were unable to reach him by phone. When attempting to contact the hairstylist again today, he said, I'm not the only one doing hair from home. Many barbers are working from home to earn a living for their families like I am. I've been cutting hair for a long time and I haven't been caught. Soon lockdown will be lifted and I'll be working back in the shop. Under Scottish Government guidelines for Tier 4 areas, close contact services which include barbers are not allowed to operate. Going from house to house increases the chances of transmitting COVID-19 as mobile services often visit many different clients on a daily basis. MSP for the Glasgow region, Annie Wells, hit out at those flouting the rules. She said, As we continue to fight the COVID pandemic, everyone must play their part in reducing the spread of the virus. While the restrictions in place to our businesses are undoubtedly tough, there's absolutely no excuse for such a blatant flouting of the guidelines like this. This individual clearly had no regard for potentially spreading COVID among the wider public and should be ashamed of his reckless behaviour. Glasgow's Labour Group leader, Malcolm Cunning, said, I have huge sympathies for everyone who is struggling to make a living at the moment, but deliberately flouting COVID restrictions is selfish, irresponsible and illegal. Those who use this barber's services are equally responsible. 
I would hope that the police take the appropriate steps to ensure that this does not continue. It is understood he has been reported to Glasgow City Council's Trading Standards Department over the breach. A spokeswoman for the local authority said, Our Trading Standards have been in contact with the person to ask him to remove the social media posting and to remind them of the current lockdown restrictions that we have been asked to follow to help suppress the virus and reduce infections. Guidance available on the Council's website says that it is the responsibility of businesses to access the law and guidelines specific to the sector. In addition, Environmental Health and Trading Standards Officers are authorised under regulations to give advice and ensure businesses are following rules. If businesses are found not to be following guidelines, the Council engage and cooperate with them directly, but if the business refuses, the Council can take formal action against them if there is a threat to public health. Businesses can be issued with prohibition notices and fixed penalties. If police believe that it is necessary, they can bring cases to court where fines of up to £10,000 can be applied. And that piece was an exclusive by Lauren Gilmore. From the Glasgow Times, date Wednesday the 24th of February 2021, from the news section, Man rushed to Glasgow Hospital after a particularly nasty late night attack in Rutherglen near M74 by Jack Haw, multimedia reporter. A man was rushed to hospital with face wounds after a particularly nasty attack in Rutherglen. The 36-year-old was assaulted by another man on Farmilone Road near to the M74 at around 9pm on Saturday. He was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital in Glasgow where he was treated for a serious injury. Officers have described the suspect as being white with a tall slim build and wearing a pink coloured t-shirt. Detective Constable Stephen Totten of Campbellland Police Station said This was a particularly nasty attack which has left a man with a significant facial injury. We are still trying to establish a motive for the attack and so would appeal to anyone who's in the area of Farmilon Road, Rutherglen, on Saturday evening around 9pm. Officers are checking CCTV at the moment and carrying out door-to-door inquiries. Phone police on 101 if you have any information. And that article is by Jack Hall. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.